Last week, Al spoke to us from mainly Galatians 2, uh, and really the message was to the effect that there is nothing to add to the cross. What Jesus has done is a complete work, and we're going to follow on today and begin to look at what that, how do we live that out, what does that look like as we work out our salvation. A number of years ago, a, a friend and I were out in a street and uh, in the evening time, and saw somebody else that we knew attempting to begin a journey on a motor scooter, but clearly was struggling and was sort of weaving about like this. And uh, we thought, oh, my word, there's a problem here. Uh, Anyway, we were able to stop him. Uh, It turned out that he was uh, thoroughly under the influence of alcohol. There's no way he should have been trying to drive a motor scooter it's very, very dangerous, uh, and, and we were able to stop him and, and get him a lift home. Uh, but in his inebriated state, he was completely incapable of riding that motor scooter or actually doing much else either. And we can feel like that as human beings if we are trying under the influence of not the Holy Spirit but anything else to live a godly life, trying to do what's right, inverted commas. Uh, But if we're trying to do it in our own strength, we're completely incapable. And even as Christians, if we try in our own strength to do the right thing, inverted commas, we also can find ourselves somewhat incapable. Trying very hard to live a godly life is not a recipe for a fun time. Discipline, accountability, uh, all those kind of things can help, but they're not enough. And you've probably found the same. Today, the good news is that it does not have to be like that. And we're going to see why and something of how. I've called this message Finding Freedom. It's part one. There'll be other parts to it in subsequent weeks as we go through this series in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul says this, After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? In brackets, unwritten, because you're doomed to fail. Close brackets. That's what he's saying. Look, guys, you've, you've started in the Spirit. You've been born again because of the Holy Spirit's work in you. Why are you now being tempted to go back and to say, we've got to add something. In particular, it was circumcision that they were thinking they had to add to the work of Jesus in order to kind of complete the salvation and make it, make it full. He goes on to talk about the fact that these believers in Galatia are those who, along with any other believers, who have received the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 14. God gives you the Spirit... Why? Because you believe the message about Jesus. Believers are people who've received the Spirit, just as Jesus promised. Do you remember? You may remember in in John's Gospel, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him, by which he meant the Holy Spirit, John adds, just in case we didn't realize who he was talking about. It's the promise of Jesus. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to look at in much more detail this morning. You might like to turn to it. I'll make some comments on the first 12 verses before we go further. 
Verse 1, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure, Paul says, that you stay free. In other words, there is a possibility that you won't stay free. Now for the Galatians, it was particularly because there were some false teachers that they were coming under the influence of, who amongst other things were saying to them, you've not only got to believe in Jesus and receive salvation through him, but in order for it to complete, you've got to get circumcised as well. And Paul's saying, that is not true. Don't go back to your own efforts. Don't start to try and find favor with God out of your own works. Verses 7 to 10, what Paul's really saying is, don't follow this false teaching that leads you astray. The false teaching for them was, the cross is insufficient. I suggest to you that the most common false teaching around Today is probably something like the cross is unnecessary because you're all good. That is not true. But you will hear those kind of things surfacing around the Christian world. Verses 11 to 12, Paul's talking about the fact that the true gospel that he's preaching is offensive. And that's connected to the title of the series that we're in today. We need to come to terms with or accept the fact that the gospel is an offense. Because people don't like to hear the fact that there's nothing that they can do to earn, to contribute towards the salvation that they need. People don't like to hear that. They like to think that in their own strength they can kind of add something and do something. It's an offense. Let's read verse 13, Galatians 5. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. You have. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So use your freedom, in other words, to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's what he's saying. That is an offensive play in the attacking sense. That is the key to living out the Christian life successfully, if you like, and being able to, by the grace of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives, live the way God wants us to. Now Paul goes on in verses 17 to 23 to contrast the the desires of the sinful nature, as he refers to it, with the desires of the Spirit. I'm not going to read through the verses about the desires of the sinful nature. It's not particularly edifying, but you can guess what they might be if you're not already familiar with the verses. The desires of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, all these kind of characteristics of God that he wants to reproduce in you and me. There is a battle on because... We live still in bodies, in flesh, which have not yet been redeemed. They will be one day, but they're not yet. And so temptation is real, and that is our experience. Ideas pop into your head. They do in mine anyway. You could do this, or you could look at that. Hang on a minute, where's that coming from? And I find, especially when I begin to pray, unhelpful ideas appear. Which I have to say, no. Go away. I don't want that. Has to be resisted. Opportunities will arise. 
to adopt bad attitudes. Somebody does something and you feel hurt. You think, well, they hurt me. Okay, just stop a minute. Is there, did they sin? Or did they just do something in life and it hurt you? That's very different and it requires different response. It's a good question to ask. Opportunities come up to, to look, to click, to, to go down the wrong track. We feel the temptation. How do we find freedom? How do we overcome? How do we win, really, and live the life that Jesus wants us to live? There are two key things we're going to talk about this morning. There will be others to follow later in the series. Number one is this. Know the truth. That is the starting point. Jesus said in John 8 to the people who believed in him, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Freedom in Christ, course, is all about that, really, living that out and coming to know the truth. In Galatians 5, Paul says this, verse 18, When you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law. Feels like we are sometimes, doesn't it? Feels like we can't resist, perhaps. Are we really not under obligation to the law? Now, that is the consistent teaching of the New Testament, that we're no longer slaves to sin. We're going to see a number of scriptures in a minute. But I just want to point out the fact that this is taken from Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right through the New Testament. It's all there consistently. This is not one or two verses picked out in isolation. This is the consistent teaching of Scripture through the New Testament that we're looking at. We're going to start in Romans chapter 6, and verses will come up on the screen, which I hope will help you to see it. Verse 4, we died and were buried with Christ in our baptism. Now we also may live new lives. See, when, if you're a Christian this morning, when you were when you were baptized and you went down into the water, you died the, like with the death of Christ. You were buried in him, in your baptism, and raised up to a new life. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 6, verse 4. He goes on in verse 5 to say this, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Notice that phrase. So that sin might, what? Lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, in our baptism, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you might think, oh, that just means that we've been forgiven and we'll be with, with God forever. It does mean that, but just read down a few more verses and it means more than that. Verse 11, so consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to sinful nature. Now that phrase, don't consider yourselves, so, so consider yourselves dead to the power of sin. That's the same word as would be used in, the, in accounting for which column you put something. Don't count yourselves. Don't consider yourselves. So you put it in this column you don't, that is dead to the power of sin. That's where you live. That's your living place and alive to God. 
Terry Virgo, in his booklet, Enjoying God's Grace, of which there are some spare copies at the back by the giving point. For any group leaders that haven't got one, uh, you can take one today. There's so much helpful material in there. Um, And he says this, When we consider ourselves dead to sin, we're not exerting our willpower to make it true. We're believing it because it is true. That's very different. It's not only that we're free from the future and eternal consequences of sin. You are also free from the current control of sin. So temptation is real, but you have a choice. Don't give in to the sinful desires, he says in verse 11. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer under the influence, like that guy I knew on the motor scooter, and incapable. You're no longer incapable. You're not under that influence. You've instead come under the influence of another spirit called the Holy Spirit of God. You have a new nature. It's not like you to follow the sinful nature anymore. You might think of, of somebody say, well, it's just not like them to do that. No, it's not like you. It's not in your nature. It's not who you are to pursue a godless life. That's not who you are anymore if you have come to know and follow Jesus, if you've been born again. That's not your identity. It's not who you are. Paul says to the Corinthians, if anyone who belongs to Christ, sorry, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone, a new life has begun. And you know, this is simply the fulfillment of what was prophesied by Ezekiel hundreds of years before. I'll read it to you. It's phenomenal. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees. The promise of God fulfilled in and through Jesus and the coming of the promised Holy Spirit who lives inside every believer as a stream of living water that flows from Within, remember, you've been born again. You're not, therefore, a forgiven sinner. You are a new creation. The Holy Spirit lives in you and empowers you to live a godly life. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Romans 7. You are no longer captive to the power of sin, of the law, sorry. You can serve God in the new way of living in the Spirit. Sin is optional, not compulsory. That's the essence of it. So you're free not only from the future consequences of sin, but also from the current control. Some more scripture that further underlines it for us. May God's truth be taking hold of our minds and hearts this morning. 
and bringing us to the place of change that he wants us to come to. Romans 8. The power of the, live, of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. In Christ's body, God put an end to sin's control over us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Verse 9, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you, brackets unsaid, which you do if you are a believer because the stream of living water flows from within you. I think this illustration that comes from Terry Virgo may help. Imagine a, a soldier who's been serving in the army for however many years it is. He's been under the authority of the sergeant major and at his beck and call and has to do what he's told. And then one day, finally, the time comes for him to be discharged and uh, the officers sign his discharge papers. He's put into his hand, he gets them. And with some relief, perhaps, and joy, he sets off across the parade ground towards the gates. And as he walks across the parade ground, he hears this voice that says, Vincent, come here! Where do you think you're going? And he, oh, no, hears the voice of the sergeant major. And then he stops and he thinks, hang on a minute. I don't have to obey you anymore. I'm no longer under your authority. If I believed I was, I'd go back, but I don't. I'm going out. I'm going into freedom. Do you get the point? If we believe that we're still under the authority of the other side, we're still under the control of our sinful nature, we're still under the control of sin, then when the temptation comes, the desire is there, the lure comes, we say, oh no, it's happening again. Back we go under the authority. No, 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 no. You've got your discharge papers. You're free to go out that gate. Does not have to control you. That's the truth. In India, there has, there has been a practice, I don't know whether there still is, there might be, of capturing baby elephants and roping them up and attaching the rope to a stake in the ground, such as you might use to, to ground a tent or a large tent or something like that. And the baby elephant is stuck there. It can't move beyond the length of the rope. And it gets used to that. And as the elephant grows, it accepts the fact that it can't move out beyond the length of the range of the rope. And then it could come along two years later, and it's still there, stuck in this little area. When actually, it's now a fully grown elephant, and were it to decide to walk off, it could because it could just take that stake out of the ground. But it doesn't, because it believes that it's stuck. Do you believe that you're stuck under the power of sin? 
You can believe it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. In fact, it, it doesn't mean it's true. Just that you think it is. And because you think it is, you're stuck there. And this morning, God is breaking that with the truth of his word. It says, no, you are no longer slaves to sin. You can overcome by the power of God in the Holy Spirit who lives within you. That doesn't mean temptation won't come. It doesn't mean we won't fall into sin sometimes and get it wrong. We will, we do, I do, you do. The Bible makes it very clear. If we say we have no sin, there's no truth in this. But in Freedom in Christ, there's an illustration given which is brilliant, and I'll repeat it here. There's the fairy tale about the prince who gets cursed and becomes a frog. And then the princess comes along, kisses the frog, and he becomes a prince again. They go out for a meal. They're having a glorious time. And a fly goes and lands on the prince's food. And he thinks, I'm going to eat that. Sticks his fork in and eats, eats the fly with his food. Does that make him a frog again? Of course not. He's still a prince. He just ate a, ate a, ate a fly. You're a saint, even if and when you sin. It's not who you are. You are not a sinner. You are a saint. It's not in your nature to live like that, although sometimes you'll do stuff that you think, ah, shouldn't have done it. Let me say a couple of things about this. Don't confuse temptation and desire with sin. James says this, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So there's a difference between temptation and desire, which are not sin, and sin, which is another step along the path. Okay. And if we confuse those, then we can end up in serious false guilt. And I've fallen into that trap before. And got guilty about stuff and felt good, didn't it? And then eventually realized, I remember Colin Purdy helping with this years ago. No, no, no. Temptation desires one thing, sin is another. Don't allow the enemy to put it on you in a way that is not true. Second little point about this God is faithful. He will not allow what Corinthians 10, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That's the promise of God. And remember, when you sin, it does not mean you're a sinner. The prince didn't suddenly become a frog again. So, finding freedom. Number one is know the truth. We've been through a number of scriptures, and we'll, make, we'll, we'll read one out at the end to reinforce that point for us. Know the truth. It sets you free sets you free. Second point is this, from Galatians 5.16. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, because he keeps you free. This is about cooperation, our cooperation with God, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside us, not about him imposing upon us something that is not what we are wanting. Really important. Now, the AV... Um, describes it as walking in the Spirit. 
which is like you would follow something or follow a tradition. You sort of walk in the traditions of, of whatever it is. It's walking in something. The NIV says live in the Spirit, and the NLT that I'm using this morning is follow the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide your lives. Follow the Spirit, in other words. All of them indicate the same thing, which is we have choice. We have choice. And it's a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment thing as we submit our lives to him. And therein is the key. Galatians 2.20 says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. Now, crucifixion involves utter surrender. It's the dying of the old self. It's the giving up of that and that lifestyle. Paul in Romans 2 says this, True circumcision is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. I remember the Galatians were being tempted to add physical circumcision to their faith and trust in Christ in order to achieve full salvation. And they did not need to do that. And Paul says true circumcision is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. Now, physical circumcision, again, just like crucifixion involves surrender, so too does circumcision. don't want to kind of dwell on it too much, but if just think about it for a minute. There's a yielding for us, yielding of our hearts to God. A surrender to him. He says, Jesus, I'm yours. Whatever it means, I'm yours. It's that self-giving to God that opens the door to freedom. Opens the door to the complete flow and control of the Holy Spirit of God filling our hearts and lives and enabling us, empowering you to live the life that you want to live and God wants you to live. And it's a day-by-day, hour-by-hour, moment-by-moment thing. It's living in the new heart that God's given to us. Now, at salvation, we yield to God. Peter said to the crowd in Acts chapter 2, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit. See, the sequence is the same. There's an old song that some of you may remember, the chorus of which is, I surrender all, I surrender all. All to you, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And we keep yielding. The Christian life is a continual, permanent surrendering to God. Lots of Gethsemane moments in our lives. When Jesus in Gethsemane says, Lord, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. And we will have those moments. And our heart attitude to Jesus is 
not my will, but yours be done. Whether it be life direction, life choices, lifestyle, all those things. It may be here that you're listening to me this morning, now or online, now or later, and you haven't yet ever yielded your life to God and said, God, okay, I'm yours. You can do that this morning as we worship him together in a minute. There'll be words on the screen that you can make your own to make that first-time commitment to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says this, The Lord makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. In other words, this is a lifelong process. So for all of us who are believers, there is this continual surrender to God and following of him in our lives. And then as his spirit works in us, we become gradually more and more like Jesus. That's the plan. What can we expect? Well, that's what Paul then outlines in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, and so on. These are the things that we can expect to see God producing in our lives by his Spirit. Romans 7, 4 says this, Now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. So when temptation comes, which it will, and desire rises up, which it will, choose to draw on the power of the Spirit in you. That's the key. When something pops into your head that you know is not of God, when a suggestion arises, when a temptation presents itself, an opportunity to have a bad attitude, whatever it might be, the best advice I can give you is two things. Number one, call out to God, call on him. Number two, pray in tongues. Those are the immediate things. Because as you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit strengthens you and edifies you and enables you. Some practical things to do. Let's conclude by reading a couple of verses from the end of Galatians 5, verses 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's do that. We're going to have some words come up on the screen now, which I'd like us to use. It's a straight quote from Romans chapter 6. To read together as a declaration of truth to help reinforce it in our beings. Shall we read this together? We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Let's read it again. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Can we pray together? Jesus, thank you that you've done it all. There's nothing to add. But thank you that you didn't leave it there. You didn't leave us to our own efforts. But you promised the stream of living water of the Holy Spirit to empower us. 
that you set us free from the power of sin, that sin has become optional, and you do give us grace to live the way you want us to live, and you're ready to freely forgive us when we get it wrong and we mess up. We just love your graciousness towards us. Lord, give us grace to yield to you, to surrender to you. Would you come and circumcise our hearts again this morning as we say yes to you and to what you're saying to us today? Just continue to pray and to reflect for a moment. If you have never received Jesus and committed to following him, then, as I said before, as we worship together in a moment, you can use some words there to make that heart commitment to him. For every single one of us, I'm encouraging us to yield our hearts to him again and then to drink of the stream of living water. Let me close by, just as you're praying with your eyes closed, just read the words of an old song to you as Kay Marie and the others come and get ready to lead us in worship, which I hope you'll find helpful. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence, daily live. All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to you, my blessed Saviour. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me saviour, holy thine. May your Holy Spirit fill me. May I know your power divine. All to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. Fill me with your love and power. Let your blessing fall on me. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to you, blessed Saviour. I surrender.